Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you are listening and wherever you are in this wide and wonderful world of ours. Hello to you eating your banana. Hello to you in your white t-shirt. Hello to you sitting on your bed. Hello to you playing with your toys. Hello to you and you and you and you and of course, hello to you. I wouldn't forget you. My name is Jake. This is Yoto Daily and it's Wednesday the 7th of February. Each and every Wednesday, we like to explore a new topic through five fabulous facts. Any topic from skateboarding to Alaska, from narwhals to deserts, and those topics are suggested by you, you the lovely listeners. And this week, well this week, thanks to Liam aged 6 in Coventry here in the UK. Hi Liam. We are going to explore five fascinating facts all about the Great Fire of London. Oh yes, the Great Fire of London. We're going back in history a little bit for today's five fabulous facts. If you have a suggestion, if you'd like to suggest something for this feature, then grown-ups, you would need to head to Yoto Space, upload your suggestion there, tag it with the words five facts, and that's where we have a look at all of those suggestions and then weave them into an episode here on a Wednesday. So, grown-ups, head to Yoto Space for your five facts suggestions. Good stuff. That's enough waffle from me. It's time to crack on. Let's explore five fantastic facts all about the Great Fire of London. The Great Fire of London happened back in 1666. A little bit of maths. That is 358 years ago. More specifically, it started around 1 a.m. on Sunday the 2nd of September 1666 and the fire raged for 4 days straight all across London until it was finally extinguished on Thursday the 6th of September 1966. The fire started on Pudding Lane in a baker's and the baker Thomas Farriner who was in fact King Charles II's baker so a, a quite an important baker in London he was sure that he had put out a small fire that started in his bakery and so he and his family went to bed that evening it is thought then that the fire started again when a spark fell out of the oven whilst they were all sleeping mr farriner thomas denied that until his dying day he said it didn't happen it wasn't him he had put the fire out but that is still the theory that that small fire in his bakery on pudding lane started again in the middle of the night pudding lane is still there today in fact in london and there is a a permanent monument to the fire of london a, a tall tower stretching up that uh, remembers this incident in 1666 built not long after in 1671 but there still today a monument in pudding lane where the fire began the reason the great fire of london spread very quickly and over a large area in a way that wouldn't happen in modern day city like london today is because in the 17th century back then the buildings were made from wood and straw These are materials that catch fire quickly and spread easily. 
As well as this, they stood very close together. The buildings were very close together so the fire could jump from building to building. And there were some warehouses around Pudding Lane that contained flammable materials like oil and rope, which caught light very quickly and fueled the flames. Also, it was at the end of summer as well. A long, dry summer that year didn't help the situation. And so, within just a few hours, the fire had spread to London Bridge by the River Thames, and even that was on fire too. And as I said, for the next four days, the fire continued to spread throughout the city, propelled by strong winds and dry weather. Back then, back in London in the 17th century, there was no fire brigade. That's right, a huge fire like this, but no fire brigade to fight it, which meant it was up to the locals, the Londoners, and the soldiers, the army, to try and uh, fight this fire. But how did they do it? Well, they did their best with the equipment they had, leather buckets filled with water, and any other container they could get their hands on. But the key to stopping the fire was to make spaces between the fire so the fire couldn't spread from one building to another. In other words, knock down some buildings so the flames couldn't jump from one building to another. Now, this proved difficult because there were high winds that would blow the flames across these spaces that they made. So eventually, incredibly, the way that they made these gaps in the uh, these fire breakers, they called them, the way they made these gaps was to use explosives. So they would blow up buildings to make a big gap so that the fire couldn't jump from one building to another. So they used explosives to put out a fire. How about that? The Great Fire of London was very destructive. A third of the city was destroyed, an area around the size of 280 football pitches, around 13,200 houses and 87 churches were burnt to the ground as well as very famous buildings like St. Paul's Cathedral and the Royal Exchange. 70,000 people were left homeless. But incredibly, amid all this destruction, this huge, terrible event, only six people lost their lives. There's no doubt it was a great tragedy, but it did lead to some positive changes to London. The city was rebuilt in a safer, more organised way, so that this wouldn't happen again. Streets were made wider and buildings were made from brick or stone rather than wood and better access to water just in case something broke out again. And what's more, London's first fire brigades were formed to tackle any future fires that might break out. And finally, one of the reasons we know quite a lot of detail about the Great Fire of London is because of a man called Samuel Pepys. He lived in that period and he wrote diaries and one of his diaries detailed the Great Fire of London. He described the event in great detail. This is a quote from his diary. He said, I went down to the waterside and there got a boat and through bridge and saw a lamentable fire. Poor Michael's house as far as the old swan already burned that way and the fire running further that in a very little time it got as far as the steel yard while I was there. 
So there we go. He gives lots of details. He references different parts of London. He gives people uh, much later on, 358 years later, in fact, now a very clear picture of how the fire spread and how quickly it spread. So there we go. Samuel Pepys's diary. There we go, folks. That was five fascinating facts all about the Great Fire of London. Now it's time for five quick questions to see if we can remember some of that information. Here we go. Question number one. Where did the Great Fire of London start? Was it A, on Pudding Lane or B, on Pudding Street? Hmm, Pudding Lane or Pudding Street? Where did it start? was Pudding Lane. Yes, a baker's on Pudding Lane. Question number two. Can you give me a reason why the fire spread very quickly? Why did the fire spread quickly in London at that time? Hmm, What was it about the buildings? Could you remember that? Well, they were made from wood and straw and they were built very close together as well so the fire could spread more easily question number three true or false the fire brigade ended up putting out the fire by using explosives hmm is that true or false the fire brigade put out the fire using explosives Mm, A bit of a sneaky one, that one. It's false because, yes, explosives were used, but there wasn't a fire brigade. It was the the Navy or the soldiers in the end that did that. So there we go. False on that one. Question number four. How much of the city of London was destroyed by the fire? Was it A, half of the city, B, a third of the city, or C, a quarter of the city? Hmm... It was a third, yes, a third of the city, around 280 football pitches. Wowzers. And finally, what did Samuel Pepys do that helped us give a picture of the Great Fire of London? What did Samuel Pepys do to help us learn about the Fire of London? He wrote a diary. Yes, he wrote a very extensive diary to give us lots of information about what happened back then in 1666. Thank you very much, folks. Thank you to Liam for that suggestion. Again, if you have a suggestion for five fabulous facts, then grown-ups, you need to head to Yoto Space. Good stuff. That was Yoto Daily on today, Wednesday, the 7th of February, 2024. And if that happens to be your birthday, oh my gosh, I hope you have a magnificent day today. A huge, a massive, a heartfelt happy birthday to everybody celebrating today. That's you. Yes, you. Wow, it's your birthday. Have a great day. Happy birthday. Other people born on this day? Well, back in 1867, Laura Ingalls Wilder was born. She was the author of The Little House on the Prairie books. And another very famous author born on this day in 1812, Charles Dickens. Author of Oliver Twist, A Christmas Carol, Great Expectations and many more books as well. So there we go, a couple of literary legends born on this day. Also, on this day in 2014, a little bit of maths. That's ten years ago. 
Scientists announced that the Happisburg footprints in Norfolk here in England date back to more than 800,000 years. Yes, they found these footprints on a beach when some of the uh, cliff fell away, I think. And scientists confirmed that they were 800,000 years old, making them the oldest known hominid footprints outside of Africa. An incredible find showing a small group of adults and children walking along the beach all that time ago. Wow, wow, wow. Good stuff. Also, finally, today is World Read Aloud Day. Yes, World Read Aloud Day. A day to encourage us all, grown-ups and children, to grab a book and read it out loud. Yes, read to somebody in your house. Get somebody to read to you. It's a lot of fun and very good for you. It's World Read Aloud Day. Nothing better than being read to or reading to someone. Pick up a book today, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow on your very own Yoto Daily. Bye for now. (laughs) 